Hello and welcome to all those who have tuned in. This is a US-India Business Council podcast on the recent judgment of India's Supreme Court on ocean freight. My name is Yashodhra Das Gupta. I am USIBC's India lead on the financial services, tax and real estate vertical. For a bit of background on what we will be discussing, under India's goods and services tax law, importers in India were required to discharge GST under reverse charge on deemed value of ocean freight services under any CIF contract of import. This levy was challenged by trade and industry on the argument that since value of ocean freight services is already a part of accessible value of imported goods for the purposes of discharging customs duty and IGST on import, it will result in double taxation. The Supreme Court of India has given rest to this long-drawn issue with a landmark judgment in the case of Union of India versus Mohit Mendes. It, was, it has held that the levy of IGST under reverse charge on ocean freight services would vitiate the concept of composite levy and that it goes against the whole scheme of GST. I'm joined by Saket Patabri and Manish Mishra to share their insights on this important ruling of India's Apex Board. Saket is the Executive Director of Indirect Tax at uh, Next Time. With almost two decades of experience, Saket is an experienced lawyer as well as an expert in GST, customs, and VAT for the GCC region. Manish is the head of practice indirect tax at JSA Advocates and Solicitors. Manish comes with over two decades of experience in indirect taxation across industry, consulting, and law firms. Welcome, Saket and Manish. I look forward to an insightful conversation. Thank you, Yashodra. Thank you for having us. My pleasure. Thanks, Yashodra. My pleasure. Uh, Saket, I will begin with you for our first question. What are the key takeaways from this decision? So, this is a landmark judgment and a great relief to the importers. So, all this while from the GST, from the time GST came in, all the importers were really in trouble or in grappling with the issue whether they should be paying twice over the tax on imports. That is one where, and especially when, when they are already paying tax on their on import of goods, when the value of freight is part of the customs duty, part of the value of the goods for the purpose of customs duty. And over and above that, a transaction which is between the foreign exporter and the freight forwarder or the freight, the shipper, the transporter abroad, for that transaction also they were liable, the importers were made liable to pay GST. That was the challenge in the levy. Why should we be paying tax twice over on the same value of uh, services? One, as imported goods on which GST is applicable. And two, on the value of the transaction for the same transportation between a foreign exporter and the foreign transporter. So it's actually put that to the rest. And by virtue of, as you said, the composite levy argument, uh, they've already held that GST cannot be levied on the freight it can only be levied on the value of the goods the freight element added to the value of the goods it cannot be levied on the the freight cost that is charged that is that is part of the levy of the imported goods separately so it's a very big relief for the importers and they'll be you know taking a sigh of relief otherwise if this judgment would have come negatively then it would have resulted in a lot of havoc in the in the industry because most of the importers as i know who were either non-creditable, who were not able to take credit, most of the importers were not paying GST on it, taking a position, taking this position. It's a great relief for all of them. However, having said this, 
this judgment also brings another you know we'll have to see one thing that while on the composite supply the judgment has given in favor of the importer but at the same time there are other arguments made which is whether a third party who is not part of the transaction can gst be levied on that third party and payable by third party that was also challenged because as i said the exporter is outside of india transporter these are the this is a privity of contract between these two an indian importer who is not party to that transaction was liable to pay gst the supreme court has held yes it is absolutely valid that the indian importer or a third party be liable to pay gst now this may have a wider ramification if you see a third party is or someone who is not part of the transaction can be made artificially can be made liable to pay tax pay gst so it's you know it's we'll have to see how prudent the government thinks about it or to what extent this artificial mechanism to levy tax someone who is not part of the transaction how far it goes that's something to be seen but that is that aspect is upheld by the honorable supreme court so these are the two key takeaways i would say from this judgment thanks akit that is quite a helpful breakdown of the issue and the practical impact it had for industry it appears this decision would likely bring significant relief for importers however there is a key question from from the industry what happens to taxes already paid on such transactions manish this one is for you thanks akit and thanks yashodra so while as akit explained there should not be any levy of igst on ocean freight on cif contracts and that is clear take away from the ruling the question is there as to what happens to the taxes which have already been paid by the importers in the past period from 2017 till now now there could be two or three specific scenarios which may emerge here one issue that would be there is with respect to the limitation of time which has been set out to be 20, uh, 24 months from the pay- date of payment of tax now in this particular case uh, since the levy has been set aside and uh, it has been held that uh, the levy was violative of uh, section 8 of cgst act it may be argued that this uh, collection of tax by the government was without authority of law and therefore the time bar should not apply to this so therefore uh, there is a possibility that uh, one may file a refund for the taxes that he has suffered from 2017 july till date on this particular uh, levy however there are few other aspects which would come into play in cases where the importer has paid this tax and already availed of input tax credits of the so, uh, the tax so paid then in those cases there is of course no possibility of claiming a refund because that uh, refund would result in a double benefit to that importer only in those scenarios where the credit has not been claimed and also the incidence of this tax has not been passed on to any other customer any other person by the importer by way of building up these taxes into the prices or uh, prices of goods or services supplied by him then the possibility of claiming a refund can arise another situation where a refund may be admissible is where this tax has been paid under protest or under during the course of an investigation or uh, any other coercive proceedings etc there also the importer may be eligible to claim the refund of uh, taxes paid by him provided again he has not claimed credit but assuming that he he has paid tax for the past period and the time limit prescribed in the law for claiming credit has lapsed 
the possibility to claim such credits may not arise and he should be eligible to claim the refund one important point which has to be noted here is that uh, there is the issue was also there for one year during the service tax regime however that issue needs to be analyzed uh, separately because the law under the service tax was on a different footing as compared to the gst laws so these are these are my thoughts on how importers can claim relief of this judgment of course going forward there is no tax so that's a welcome occurrence for the industry thank you vanish uh, this is a really helpful outline of different scenarios i feel and clarifications on them now we've discussed the central issue of ocean freight in this judgment the supreme court has also made a very interesting remark that the recommendations of the gst council are not binding on the union and states but this has gathered immense attention what are your comments on this remark takit let's turn to you first uh before i answer this question it is important to understand the purpose of uh, forming gst council see gst was conceptualized with a noble objective of one nation one tax and you would know that india being a federal country and that to a democratic one it's not easy to achieve this object between union government and the state governments to align and you know union and state to align and to get to a one nation one tax and at the same time to also upheld or to also uh, satisfy the criteria of federalism which means both have their individual rights but both the governments both the set of governments came together and indeed gave gst and gave out their own rights towards it so i would call this to be and which is part of the judgment as well a cooperative federalism wherein you are having a federal structure you are retaining a federal structure and by way of cooperation you are you know uh, with one objective you are working as a team so this is cooperative federalism and one of the key aspect of this cooperative federalism or the mechanism is gst council now gst council consists of the union finance minister and all the state finance ministers so therefore it has representation with for union and state government and gst council provides a mechanism for both these uh, for the union as well as the state governments or the state finance ministers to come together and bring out a uniform tax regime so that's the objective of it however it is to be noted that gst council is a body cannot be over and above the parliament in the state legislature that is it cannot say that the that the, what gst council says is binding on the parliament as well as state government they are the apex one they cannot there cannot be any body over and above that so therefore it is obviously and that's and very clearly enshrined in the constitution proposals that get passed in the gst council is a recommendation not mandatory for the parliament as well as the state having said this does this mean that the gst councils has no relevance or you know while it's you know it's the apex body for cooperative federalism it cannot do anything i don't think so the parliament and state legislatures have clearly provided that the operational framework while the law is been drafted by the parliament the state government the operational framework can only be done on the basis of gst councils recommendation say for example a rate of tax to be levied or an exemption to be given or a or tinkering of the tax rates the specific state enactments as well as the unions the central gst law clearly provides that this can only be done only after the recommendation of the gst council so as a first step for them to take any action is the recommendation from the gst council 
hence to my mind while the broad framework of gst the concept of gst is by the parliament the state legislatures the operational work which is the most critical one which impacts the citizen and the taxpayers is can only be done to my mind only by the recommendation of the gst council without it cannot be done so therefore in my view it should not this concern or the apprehension that the state government any of the state government may get out of gst or do their own things to my mind may not be correct thank you saket i think that's again very helpful clarity on the the reality on ground manish would you like to add anything further on this yes so saket has already dwelled upon the structure of the council and also on the constitutional power which uh, parliament and the state legislatures and the council derive from the constitution of india couple of points which i would just want to add here is that uh, of course i mean article 246a of constitution empowers both parliament as well as the state legislatures to make laws regarding gst except for interstate transactions where only parliament enjoys exclusive powers so any law with regard to interstate supplies would be made is a a uh, union purview and to that extent union government is empowered the state legislatures cannot interfere into that with regard to composition of gst council one important point that needs to be kept in mind is that gst council is a participative body so it is really a case of cooperative federalism where both union as well as states come together uh, and uh, kind of uh, dwell upon various aspects relating to taxation the rates levy legislation so in so far as it pertains to gst and to that extent there is clearly a state representation which is there in the council and any recommendation therefore made by the council has a state participation and to that extent it cannot be simply disregarded for the reason that the states have a power to legislate they had a power to legislate even for the last 5 years as well but the precedents that have been set up and the practices that have been followed are very clearly uh delineatory nature where gst council makes a recommendation and based once those recommendations are adopted parliament as well as state legislatures make the necessary changes in the law so this ruling per se is not stating out anything new or different in terms of what has been happening or what is the purpose or intent of the law and how it has been drafted so to my mind i do not foresee any significant deviation coming out of it because we have past precedents in place now it is gst is a 5 year old law now it is certainly settling down however yes i mean one has to keep an eye on the future in terms of how states are going to react to this ruling and how center is going to take some of the steps or uh, any action post this ruling in terms of kind of setting those boundaries very clear so that is something that uh, one needs to of course follow in future thank you to both of you now you've both referenced the term cooperative federalism and outlined the way the gst council as well as gst law more broadly is framed to function in reality but i'd like to extend this question a bit further could the essay's remark imply that unlike vat regime can states frame independent gst laws in contrast to or different from the center and or other states Manish, would you like to take this? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So, as I stated, for interstate transactions, it is completely the purview of Parliament, and states are not empowered to legislate. So, to that extent, any law which deals with export or import of goods or services or supplies within two states 
states do not have any authority or power to come out with any legislation or amendments on their own or even change the rates now the only thing which is there in the states purview is with regard to levy of tax or legislations which pertain to intra state transactions or transactions within the state now there of course i mean states are empowered they have always been empowered since 2017 itself they had the authority to legislate on those uh, subjects now the point is let us say what can happen here so if a state wants to increase the rate of uh, gst on a specific goods or services for the transactions which are undertaken within their state the challenge would be that uh, the way gst law has been operating and the way rates have been structured both central gst as well as state gst are having an equal weight so for example if the gst rate is 18% 9% goes to central gst and 9% is the state gst rate so to tinker with that structure would be practically difficult and uh, would create anomalies we have seen in the past that wherever states have and i am talking of uh, vat regime wherever a particular state had a higher tax rate as compared to the neighboring states it always caused the shift of business so to that extent uh, practically and keeping in consideration the economic consequences i do not foresee states uh, tinkering too much with the rates also the fact that gst council having a state participation and uh, that structure already being in place i feel that in terms of states taking unilateral actions those possibilities are not very substantial and to that extent uh, they would also want to avoid anomalies in the law because it kind of takes away the certainty from the business having said that one thing which can happen is that the states may want to introduce additional cesses surcharges uh, etc which have been done in the past case in point was uh, kerala flood cess which was introduced in uh, 2017-18 but here also one needs to keep in mind that the flood cess was introduced only after getting the same ratified by the gst council and uh, a specific uh, approval was sought from the council by the state of kerala so to that extent uh, there is a precedent however tomorrow if a state wants to introduce an additional levy or surcharge on over and above the gst collected that is something that they may certainly want to explore but again as i said creating an anomaly in the tax structure is always detrimental to the economic interests of the state so to that extent uh, it may not be while it is conceivable but it may not be practically feasible however we would suggest that one needs to keep a close eye in terms of how these central state relations evolve in terms of states powers to legislate upon inter state transactions and what steps center is going to take in cases where states are trying to deviate from the agreed structure so that is something which uh, will need to kind of uh, only only the time would tell and uh, one needs to follow closely so that's a very interesting point on the various considerations states would have to make on a unilateral decision deviating from the center or other states and equally the importance of keeping a watching brief so uh, thank you saket and manish for unpacking this really important judgment of gst Thank you. I have personally found this really insightful and I'm sure our listeners did too. Let me close here for today. Thank you everyone for joining this podcast. We would welcome any specific questions you may have on today's subject as well as any suggestions for other topics you might like us to cover. Feel free to reach out to me directly on this. Thank you again.